All right, two verses, Genesis 2-7 and Matthew 17-20. Here's the first one, Old Testament, almost at the beginning of the Bible. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and breath the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Formed us out of the dust of the ground so we're natural beings, but we got a supernatural touch. Because the God of glory breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And then looking over in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus now is talking to his disciples. The disciples had prayed. Nothing had happened. Jesus prayed. There was a miracle. The disciples wanted to know why. Jesus said this in verse 20. Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, Ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place. What's the mountain? Any crisis, any problem. Ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place. And it shall remove. Not it may remove. It shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I feel boldness and confidence in the Holy Ghost today. I want to talk to you this morning on this subject, the breath of God and the voice of man. The breath of God and the voice of man. Would you bow your heads and pray? Lord, we're thankful to be in your house. Thankful for your breath, your presence, your holy glory that we feel. We ask you, Lord, that you would uh, just allow this atmosphere to be permeated with your presence. And for us to move with the boldness and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. To speak your word without fear and without favor. And to, Lord, lift up our voices and declare the glory and the greatness of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The dictionary defines the word crisis as an intense time of great difficulty. An intense time of great difficulty. Difficulty. I think we would all agree that not just uh, us here in America, but all over the world, we're in a time of crisis. And it is a, an intense time of great difficulty. People are very intense. People got very strong feelings. A lot of strong feelings about a lot of things. People got strong feelings about wearing masks. People got strong feelings about not wearing masks. People got strong feelings about temperatures. People got strong feelings about not having temperature taken. People have strong feelings about social distancing. People have not so strong feelings about it. Everything, there's like no middle ground. Everybody's intense on all ends of the spectrum. Say, why is that? Because we're in a crisis. When you're in a crisis, your feelings become more intense. And so the definition, literally the dictionary, defines crisis as an intense time of great difficulty. Now, the medical term crisis means a turning point. A turning point. And in the Greek, crisis means decision. A decision. Now, you put all that together, you combine the three, and here's what you get. A time of intense difficulty requiring a decision that is a turning point. A time of intense difficulty requiring a decision that is a turning point so difficult times prompts us to a decision 
that leads to a turning point. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a crisis, but we are in an intense time of making a decision, a turning point. What are we going to do? Are we going to allow this virus to break us or is it going to make us? Because we're going to come through this thing stronger than we ever were before. If we turn to the Lord and if we say, Lord, I want you to be the focal point of this crisis, it's going to turn me toward you, not away from you. Amen? That's what a crisis will do. It forces us out of the middle ground. It, we don't clamor for difficult times, but we recognize that in difficult times, we have a unique opportunity to take an inventory of our life and to make a decision that would fully turn us toward Christ. I believe that that's what God is doing in this world right now in this 21st century year 2020. Someone said everybody started out saying 2020 was going to be the year of vision. Yes it is. It's still the year of vision. It's the year that we get our eyes on the Lord and say nothing else matters as much as me being right with God. I recognize that the Lord is coming back and everything in this world is not going to matter only what's done for Christ is gonna matter so I got to get my family right I got to get my heart right I got to get my spirit right God never wastes a hurt Rick Warren said that in his famous book a purpose-driven life and it's a simple statement but it's a profound thought God never wastes a hurt God never wastes a crisis God never wastes a difficult circumstance. God never wastes a sickness. God never wastes a problem. There's nothing that has our attention like when we're in the midst of a crisis. And God never wastes it because if you'll look closely, every crisis has a Christ-centered moment. Every crisis has a Christ-centered moment. A chance for God to breathe upon us. A place where God will interject his holy nature and transform us if we invite him in. The book of Genesis begins the Bible with a declaration that the earth was void and without form. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Is that not the world we live in today? It may not be where we are physically, but it's certainly where we are spiritually. Darkness, void, without form. People not sure what their purpose is. People not sure what they're doing. People not sure where they're going. All of us are trying to navigate these uncertain times. And I, I get tickled whenever people say, this is so-and-so, he or she is an expert. Let me tell you what, there are no experts on this virus because nobody's ever walked this way before. Right. Everybody's guessing. Darkness is upon the face of the deep, but there's one who's not guessing, and his name is Jesus. This thing didn't catch him by surprise. God's not in the dark, but God's wanting to know, what are you going to do? Are you going to turn toward me? Are you going to live in fear? Are you going to live in faith? Are you going to say, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what comes my way. I've got to be right with you. I've got to get right. <laughs> Because watch what happens in the midst of this situation where there's darkness and no form and, no vo and, and a void. The earth is void. 
and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I'm glad the Spirit of God is still moving. I said, I'm glad the Spirit of God is still moving. We don't serve a God who is stoic. We don't serve a God who is somehow unmovable. He's still His Spirit that moves and flows. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. I feel like God is saying to the church, I want to speak. I want to breathe. And I want to reveal. There's a God that's wanting to give the church understanding and insight. He's saying, let there be light. I want you to recognize that your time on this earth is not that long. Don't get too comfortable down here because down here is going to be void and it's going to be darkness and there's no form or rhyme or reason. But there's a God that is breathing upon his people. God gathered the dust of the ground and he formed a lifeless man. But then he breathed upon him and he became a living soul. So we are natural beings because we are formed from a natural earth. But we have a supernatural element. We became a living soul because of the breath of God. So we are natural, but we are also spiritual. Because we have the nature of our creator. So I'm not the same as that tree out there in the front yard. Because that tree out there is not breathing. But I am. And you are. Because the Bible said he breathed upon man. And man became a living soul. Ladies and gentlemen, whatever God touches, it comes to life. I don't know what situation you're facing, and it may seem like a dead-end street, but if God gets up in the middle of it, he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. It's going to come to life. It may be dark. It may be dead. It may be dried up. But when God touches it, it comes to life. Brother Dylan Morgan was preaching in Louisiana on Wednesday night. And he met a family there that he prayed for a year ago. They were not able to have any children. He prayed for them, and the Holy Ghost moved upon them. And when he went back and preached there last Wednesday night, they were holding a newborn baby. Am I telling the truth, Brother Morgan? They were holding a brand new baby because it doesn't matter what is dead. It comes to life when God breathes upon it. He can turn a hurt into a hallelujah. He can turn a pain into a promise. He can turn mourning into dancing. Because when God speaks. And the birth of a newborn baby is dependent on breath. Here's what Paul said in Acts 17 as he was speaking on Mars Hill to the Athenians, the Stoics, and the Epicureans, and Athens, Greeks, which was the the center of the the learning of that day. It was the Harvard, Oxford, Cambridge University all wrapped up into one. They were open to new ideas, new concepts. And so Paul came and was given audience. He was able to speak. And he preached a powerful message about the unknown God. And in verse 24, he's describing who that God is. He said, God that made the world. I've come to tell you about the God that made the world got a lot of statues over here but none of these guys made the world 
But you got one altar to an unknown God. He's the one I've come to declare to you. Good God Almighty. Let me tell you about the God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth. I'm not trying to just tell you about a God that's somewhere out there beyond the sky. I'm telling you about a God that, yes, he is God, he is Lord of the heavens, but he's also God of this earth. Old churches have taken a big hit in the last five months because all these Epicureans and Stoics and people with pointy hats, they're all looking at all of us apostolics like we're the Anderthal man and saying, oh, you bunch of idiots, all of you gather together and you act like a bunch of dummies. You act like this thing is not contagious. You act like you don't have understanding. Here's what I say to all of you people. Here's what I declare to you. We serve the God of heaven and earth. He's not just a God that's going to rapture us one day and we're going to go to heaven. He's a God that can heal my natural body on this earth he's a God of heaven and earth he's a God that walks with me every day he's a God that's with me at night when I lay my head on the pillow he is a God of the heavens and the earth well there ought to be a shout in the camp of Israel there ought to be a declaration of God's people we serve the God of heaven he dwelleth not in temples made with hands neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything we don't worship God because he's emotionally dependent on our praise God doesn't need you or me if he did he wouldn't be a very good God who wants to serve a God that's dependent on the worshiper? I need a God that's God all by himself. I'm not God. You're not God. He's God. Paul was telling these, these Stoics, these Epicureans, he's saying, I'm talking to you about a God who's not dependent on your praise. We don't worship him because he needs it. We worship God because we need it. You've got to get a revelation of the residual value of worshiping God. I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing more selfish when you think about it than a worshiper of God. We worship God because of what we get out of it. I don't care if you're depressed. I don't care if you're despondent. I don't care if you're discouraged. When you say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that in me is, I get strength. I get joy. As though he needed anything. He doesn't need us, but we need him. See, and he, he, everybody say he. He, he giveth to all. He all. Life Hallelujah. and breath uh-huh. and all things. Okay. And he hath made of one blood all nations of men. We got to get away from all this crazy racism stuff. Come on now. Make it play, preacher. He has made of all nations one blood. One blood. 
I don't care if you're white, black, brown, red, green. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican. I don't care if you live in Florida, Kentucky, or the Northeast, if you're in a red state or a blue state. We're all one blood. I don't believe in white supremacists. I don't believe in black supremacists. I believe in God. He is my supreme God. And he's made us all one. We've all got one blood. He cut the Messiah. We don't get our marching orders from this world. We get our marching orders from the word of God. He hath made all nations one blood. Come on, we're all the same. One blood for to dwell on all the face of the earth. Watch this now. Paul declares to these learned men and women and hath determined the times before appointed. God determines the times. Let me make sure you get this. God determines the times and the bounds of their habitation. God determines what our limitations are. God determines the times that we're in. And when God says it's over, it'll be over. But until then, we're on a mission. And it's a mission to remind everybody only what's done for Christ will last. So I want you to notice something about these verses. He says, when Paul's, when Paul's preaching to this group on Mars Hill in Athens, Greece, he says, let me tell you about the God that gives all life and breath and all things and hath made of one blood. Now, he mixes two things together here that's very important. There's a mingling of the breath and the blood that produces natural life and spiritual life. You've got to have both breath and blood to be a living soul on this planet. And if you're here today, you've got both. You've got breath and blood. But you also got to have breath and blood to have a spiritual life. Because I've said it before, but I want to reiterate it. What happens in the natural only illustrates to us what's happening in the spiritual. And with all this stuff going on with uh, this COVID and people losing their, their taste and losing their smell, I think the Lord's trying to tell us some of you need to lose your taste for this world. We've been blessed. But God is saying, come on, you need to get your taste and your smell on something higher. Uh-huh. Right. That's right. He's saying it's time to get the breath of God. You've been breathing on your own, but now God said, I want to breathe upon you. And for me to get you understanding how sweet it is to be in the presence of God, you got to lose your smell of this world. You got to lose your taste for this world. You got to develop another taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. I'm reminded of experience my wife and I had 11 years ago when our daughter Sophia was born. She suffered from something called 
respiratory distress syndrome when she was born. We didn't know what that was, but we started reading about it. And apparently, when the baby is in the womb, the blood that it has is already oxidized. It's already full of air and oxygen that she needs. It has oxygen within the blood because it comes from the mother. There's an article from Harvard Medical School that explains it this way, and I quote, because the placenta, you know, that little bubble the baby's in, does the work of exchanging oxygen, O2, and carbon dioxide, CO2, which happens, you and I do this on our own now that we're, uh, you know, independent, living, breathing organisms, humans. We do this. We breathe in and breathe out. We do the exchange because our lungs are functioning. And so the baby doesn't have to do that when it's in the placenta because that action of exchanging the carbon dioxide for oxygen and oxidizing the blood, it happens through the mother's circulation. So the fetal lungs or the baby's lungs are not used for breathing. So instead of blood flowing to the lungs to pick up oxygen and then flowing to the rest of the body, the fetal circulation shunts or bypasses most of the blood away from the lungs. So when the first breath of air comes and that baby takes at the point of birth, that first breath, the fetal circulation changes. And a larger amount of blood is then sent to the lungs to pick up oxygen. And the grid work of veins and arteries that surround the lungs are constricted when the child is in the womb because they're not needed. They're there, but we don't need you right now, not yet. But they form and they grow and they lay in wait because they're not needed to oxidize the blood. So when the baby is born, they all have to open up for business and go to work. It's an amazing thing. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now you can believe you come from a monkey and an amoeba all you want to, but I believe God formed us and breathed the breath of life into us. So when a baby is born, they need to get oxygen from the lungs. The baby's going to have to live on its own. It's got to pass it through the blood and get the carbon dioxide out of there. Now here's what's amazing. The struggle of birth, the baby going down through the birth canal, that struggle, that discomfort, that pain, as that baby is coming down through the birth canal, getting ready to be born, it causes, through that struggle, through that pain, through that discomfort, it causes the mother's body to release a chemical that coats the membranes of the baby's lungs uh, so that the lungs uh, can become ready to open and expand because they get sticky because they've been stayed shut for so many months. And so the mother's body releases a chemical and the chemical goes and says, uh, all right, uh, we're lubricating the membranes. Uh, you better get ready because you're going to have to breathe on your own. Uh, and it starts to lubricate the membranes uh, so the compressed nature of the lungs uh, can spring to action at the first breath. What a great God we serve. Now here's how you can tell whether it works right. You can tell if that process had happened correctly. You can tell by the first cry from the baby. Because when that baby cries out, it reveals what's happening on the inside. <laughs> now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. 
People can't figure you and I out. You go through all kinds of troubles and tests and trials, but you still say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You're still praying, you're still worshiping, and your friends and neighbors go, I don't know how you're able to cry, I don't know how you're able to worship God, I don't know how you're able to pray when you've gone through so much struggle. You need to tell them this, uh, it's the test that gave me a testimony. It's the struggle that gave me salvation. So if you were to watch a video, which we did recently of our daughter Sophia's birth, you can tell by her cry, her very first cry, that there is a restriction because the cry or the voice is muted. And if the baby is to sustain itself and to survive apart from its mother, it must have blood that's flowing with oxygen or, if I can say it this way, breathing blood. Breathing blood. It's required naturally, it's required spiritually. All my life, you know this, my father pastored, I've gone to church since I was two years old, and in November, I'll be 57 years old. So I've seen a lot of things over the years, and one of the things that's always amazed me is I've seen people come to the altar by the thousands and repent of their sins and go right back out to this world and become a sinner again. Because here's what I've learned. If you are to sustain yourself, if you're going to survive spiritually, you've got to get oxygen in the blood. Let me break it down for you. You need the breath of God in the blood of the Lamb. That's good preaching, whether you recognize it or not. <laughs> Thanks, Brother Clay. I love you guys. Glad to see you. The breath of God in the blood of the Lamb. So what is this breath? It's the flowing of the Spirit. You need more than just asking God to forgive you. No doubt the blood is powerful. But now you're embarking upon a new birth experience. So you need the blood to be pulsating with breath. You've got to have the breath of God. And that breath of God is the Holy Spirit of God. And when you were born in the natural world, God breathed upon you. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, He breathes upon you one more time. That's why it's described as being born again. The breath of God. He breathes upon us again. They put our daughter 11 years ago in the NICU unit where they take all these babies that are in crisis and they begin to work on her. And I had tremendous confidence. An amazing group of doctors and nurses that work in that, that NICU unit up there at Holmes Regional. And they had worked on our boys at that time some five and a half years earlier when they were born as twins, four weeks premature, had the same breathing issues put them in there and worked with them, worked with them, and, and they recovered and are, are doing awesome. And so when our daughter had a similar issue, I said to my wife, she'll be fine. She's got a great team of people around her, but she didn't get any better. She wasn't improving. And at the first night, they said her oxygen levels were not good. These people that are going into the hospital with COVID and struggling with breathing, it reminds me of those sleepless nights that we had as our daughter struggled for breath 11 years ago. Machines helping her, but machines can't do it. At some point, you got to catch hold. Yeah. 
And I kept thinking, this great team of physicians and nurses, they'll get her on track because of the amazing work that they do, and they do it all the time, and they're amazing. And so after the first night, she didn't improve. And the second day, we talked with the doctor, and he said, she's not improving, and if she doesn't get any better, we're going to have to take her to Arnold Palmer Children's Hospital in Orlando. And I thought, uh-oh. an amazing thing how we know God has the answer. But we seemingly always try everything else before we try him. Why is that? Is that human nature? We're natural beings, but we have a supernatural element. We have access to the king of kings. I was reading an article recently by a guy who's a Nobel Prize winning physicist from Japan who worked in that Wuhan lab for four years. And he said, I, I know the... The, the, the technicians, I know the processes, I know all what goes on in there. And he said, if I'm not right about what I'm fixing to say, they can take away my, no, they can take away my Nobel Peace Prize. But he said, here's what I'm telling you, I know. This virus is not natural. Now don't, don't get on to me. I'm just telling you what I read, okay? Here's what he says. He said, if it was natural, it would respond differently to different temperatures. But the thing spreads in Russia just like it does in Brazil. It doesn't matter what climate you're in. doesn't matter what the temperature is. He then goes on to say, if it's not natural, then it will not have a natural solution. When I read that, I said, hallelujah. It's going to need a supernatural solution. <laughs> now think about this. The only thing that's working in the body's that you and I have is our immune system. It either figures out a way to beat it or we get help from somebody who has beat it through what they call plasma treatments. But ultimately, the only thing that has a solution is within the human body. Now, you remember what I told you? We're natural, but because we got the breath of God, we're not just natural. We've also got supernatural. That don't mean we got a big S on our chest like Superman, but what it does mean is we have a source of strength. And because we've got the breath of God, the body somehow does what it does and figures out a solution. And then people that have come through it got antibodies. So the body has already figured it out and created a solution. Why? Because every living human has the breath of God. They received it. You received it. I received it when we were born. So the natural body already has this supernatural element because of the great creator that breathes upon every soul. So we're more than just biology. We're also supernatural. So finally on the third night, they said, if your daughter doesn't improve, we got to move her. And I said to my wife, I'm going to go home. She, my wife was still in the hospital. I said, I'm going to go home because i got to get a hold of God. And I went home, and I just started praying. I said, God, you are great and greatly to be praised. There's nothing you can't do. You can open up these lungs. You can cause this grid and this framework of arteries and veins to come to life. And I just started telling the Lord what all he could do I knew he already knew what he could do 
But I had to tell him what he could do to remind myself of what he can do. Amen. So I was praying. I remember looking at my watch at about 3 in the morning thinking, I'm going to have to get to bed if I'm going to get up in the morning and get back to the hospital. But about 3 o'clock, I remember because I looked at my watch, the Lord spoke to me and said, I will breathe upon her again. But you need to put your confidence in me more than others. Mm. I feel like that's what the Lord's telling us again. He will breathe upon us again. But we got to put our confidence in him more than others. Jesus. I feel a praise just right now. I want you to just take a moment. Would you just declare the glory of God from the depths of your heart? Put our trust in you, God. You're the giver of life. In you, we live and move and have our being. Breathe upon this land one more time. Breathe upon this church one more time. I went to the hospital early the next morning. I told my wife, she was laying there in that bed. I said, everything's going to be all right. She goes, how do you know? I said, because the Lord told me. I told her, I said, I was praying about 3 o'clock, and the Lord said, I will breathe upon her again. And we just, on our own, just had our own little prayer meeting. As we were finishing up, the doctor came in, stood by the bed, and he said, you won't believe this, but about 3 o'clock in the morning last night, we weren't doing anything different. There's no different treatments. All the settings, the machines, everything was the same. But he said at about 3 o'clock, he said her lungs opened up and she began to breathe like a normal child. Good God Almighty. Two times in recent days, I've heard this from elders that was starting to feel symptoms. One of them, Brother Calvin Jenkins, standing right here, started feeling symptoms of COVID in his body. But he said, as I turned on the internet and the church was praying, he said, I started praying in my house with the church. And he said, I felt a change in my body. And the next day, every symptom was gone. It's the breath of God. I don't know what crisis you're facing. I've come to declare to you today, it's the breath of God. That is the solution to every ill of our society. I say today, breathe on us, Lord. Breathe upon us, God. When this New Testament church was being born in the book of Acts, the Bible says that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. That was the breath of new life. That's being born again. Oh, my friend, you need more 
than just asking God to forgive you. No doubt the blood is powerful, but you're embarking now upon a new birth experience. You need the blood to be pulsating with breath. I said, you need the blood to be pulsating with breath. And whenever that New Testament church took its first breath, there was evidence, external evidence of what was happening internally. When my daughter was able to oxidize her blood with breath, she could go home. And ultimately, it takes the Spirit of God to take us home, to get us to the finish line. Romans says it this way, but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. That's the breath of God. Jesus told Nicodemus, you've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. Peter said in Acts 2.38 that the remission of sins or the removal of sins is at water baptism. That's the application of the blood. That's being born of the water. That is the blood. But then it needs to be oxidized. So don't just stop with the water. Be born of the Spirit. And the way that you can tell that the breath of God is flowing is that you begin to speak. The way that you can tell that the breath of God is upon you is that you begin to have speech. You've got to have the breath to have speech. Have you ever tried to speak without having any breath? You can't speak without breath. You've got to have breath. That's why when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You begin to speak on words that you may not even understand. It's a heavenly language. I remember I told the class this morning, I said, I remember when we were in China and we were meeting in underground churches and people risking their lives to get to church, but they came anyhow. I felt another sermon climb up on me right there. I'll keep going. They spent two hours getting to church, trains, going here and there, switching cars, but they finally got to the house of the Lord. And when we told them about the Holy Ghost, it wasn't 20%, it wasn't 5%. I'm talking about 100% of everybody in the room got the Holy Ghost. And I remember hearing one lady say in perfect English, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. I said, oh, we're wearing out our translators. Maybe that lady can help us. She speaks English. They went and got her and brought her. She couldn't speak one word of English. But when God breathed upon her, her, the Holy Spirit of God. She declared the oneness of God. Jesus is God. I'm talking about the breath of God. That'll give you a revelation. That'll give you understanding. That will give light. Remain standing. And you'll speak just as man is the combination of natural formed of the earth, spiritual the breath of God. So is there a combination of things that take place when we are born again. It's the combination of the breath of God and the voice of man. So that when you receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, the breath of God mixes with the voice of man and there is a declaration of spiritual birth. That's why Jesus told his disciples, speak to the mountain. How can I just speak? Who am I? 
We're nothing. We're just the dust of the ground. But we have the breath of God. So you can say, I declare my healing in the name of Jesus Christ. And you use your voice with the combination. Speak it out. Jesus. Jesus. you to use your hands. I want you to use your voice. I want everybody in this building to set your mouth like a trumpet. Shout unto him with the voice of triumph. I declare my miracle. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, that holy breath of God, I invite you to step out of where you're standing and come to this altar. The ministry team and the altar workers will put masks on. People have received the Holy Ghost with masks. That's not going to hinder us any. But if you want to receive that holy power, that holy presence of God, I invite you to come forward. If you need a healing in your body, I want you to use your mouth. You can do it in the altar. You can do it from your pew. But I want you to use your mouth. And I want you to begin to declare whatever you want God to do. Would you use the voice of man and declare with the anointing of God the victory that you need? Brother Morgan, I want you to come and pray the prayer of faith. 
But I feel this in the Holy Ghost today. I feel like that God is saying to this church, we're going to pray the prayer of faith, but I believe that God is telling this church that you've got to use your voice. You can't have another person do it for you. You've got the breath of God in you. Come on. You've got the breath of God in you. Use your voice and declare. I want you to pray with Willa Morgan, our evangelist, and God's going to heal. God's going to save. God's going to deliver right now. There's a divine demonstration in this room right now. If you need a miracle, if you need the gift of the Holy Ghost, we're going to make one more appeal. You need to step out in faith. You don't need to have fear right now. I rebuke fear out of this building by the authority of the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask one more time. If you need a miracle, you need to move right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, the Holy Ghost is here. There's a divine demonstration in this room. God is about to show some people he is God over everything in this world right now. Brother Myers already said what we're going to do. You're going to use your voice. You're going to use your voice. I said, you're going to use your voice. This isn't a one-man band. It isn't about a show. This is about God showing you there's power in the spoken word. Every hand under heaven right now. When I say in Jesus' name, I want you to lift your voice into this atmosphere. No hesitation. Nothing holding you back. No limitations. Put your voice into the atmosphere. Right now, I rebuke all fear. I rebuke anything that would be a hindrance against this moment right now. By the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus, I speak the gift of faith to begin to flow right now. In Jesus' name. Come on, lift your voices all across this house. Come on, lift your voices all across this house. Come on, lift your voices. Nobody being silent. Nobody looking around. Lift your voices in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I speak healing in the name of Jesus. I speak the gift of the Holy Ghost to flow in the name of Jesus. I speak a divine demonstration in the name of Jesus. Come on, the gifts of the Spirit are working right now. Every hand lifted, every voice under heaven. Come on, nobody being silent. Uh, there's a powerful move of God in this room right now. Uh, there are miracles in this room right now. In the name of Jesus. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, I speak to the front, uh, to the back, uh, from the left, uh, to the right. Uh, whether you're in the altar or you're standing in your pew, uh, I speak a divine demonstration to where you're at right now. Uh, let there be a demonstration. Uh, of the power of Almighty God. Let it fall where you're at. Let it fall where you're at. Let you have an experience with the one true God like you have never had before. Let you have an experience with the one true God like you have never had before.
Come on, spring forth, oh well. There's some of you need to lift your voice right now. You haven't moved yet. You haven't spoken yet. God's calling the voices of the church to be heard right now. The world wants you to be silent. The enemy and the darkness behind this wants you to be silent. I say today we take a stand. We square our shoulders and let the voice of the body of Christ be heard right now. Come on, shout unto the Lord. Lift your voices. attention just for a moment I want everybody's attention just for a moment the Holy Ghost isn't done but we haven't quite grasped what God has asked us to do quite yet thank you for your participation thus far but we haven't quite grasped everything that God is wanting us to grasp brother Myers just said it perfectly God can only take you so far he can only there's got to be a place where you mix your faith into the atmosphere that is here right now and I feel this in the Holy Ghost. There's quite a few of us that are just looking around. We're just, we're almost afraid to speak out right now. You're almost afraid to voice what you need from God right now. It's like there is a, 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 a fear that is muzzling us. God is all that you need right now. He is Lord alone. He has never needed any help nor will he ever need any help. He's just always looked for a vessel to work through. So I'm going to ask you right now, you don't have to be, but who is going to choose at this very moment to be a conduit and a vessel for him to work through right now? You don't have to have a microphone for God to work through you. You don't have to be perfect for God to work through you. You don't have to have it all together for God to work through you. You don't have to be dressed right for God to work through you. You just have to be a willing vessel in a moment where God is saying, I'm trying to show you who I am. Whether you've been in this for 45 years or you've been here for 45 minutes today. God is trying to work through you right now. I don't know where you're at in life exactly. I don't know what you're going through exactly, but I do know this. He's a perfect God. One more time, we're going to lift our hands. 
One more time, we're going to lift our eyes toward heaven. I don't want anybody who's with their head bowed, and I don't want your eyes closed. I want your eyes open toward heaven right now. I want you looking up, expecting to see something fall from the atmosphere. I want you looking into the atmosphere, expecting to physically watch it fall upon your life right now. You feel that expectation when you begin to expect something to happen, when you begin to exercise some faith and say, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Now we're going to speak the word of faith one more time. And when we do, you're going to begin to lift your voice. If you remain silent, it will not happen today. Hear me. It will not happen if you remain silent today. That's not the word of the Lord. You need to lift your voice. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you're ready, shout amen. amen. Lord, right now, by the power of the word of God, and by the authority of the name of Jesus, I speak into this atmosphere, God, a divine demonstration of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, let it happen now, God. Come on, lift your voices. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, lift your voices. 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 Come on, that's it. That's it. Shake this place. Lift your voices in Jesus' name. Come on, don't stop. Push. Push here. Push here. We got to break the atmosphere. Lift your voice. Come on, that's it. Some of y'all are feeling it. Lift your voices. Some of y'all are feeling what you come here for. Lift your voices. Some of y'all are feeling what you've been praying for. Lift your voices. Come on, that's it. There's something stirring. There's something stirring. Lift him up. If I be lifted up. If I be lifted up. If I be lifted up. Come on, that's it. That's it. Shout one more time. Come on, shout one more time. Come on, come on, come on. There's something shaking here right now. I can't just walk away. I've got to get what I've come for. I'm desperate to have a touch. He's just got to hear your voice. He's just got to hear your voice.